Hello, my darling, and welcome to today's story time. Today in the background, we have a creepy forest atmosphere. And we have been given the honor by author Dylan Altok to read the first chapter of Blood Brothers. It's the second in the Werewolf Saga series. It's available on Kindle and paperback. There is the link. The first book in the series called Beastborn came out three years ago. Please visit Dylan's Twitter. He is a freelance comedian and also martial artist. And as you're about to find out, an incredible author. And now, on with our story time. Arthur's body slammed hard against the edge of the concrete ring, causing shattering pain to explode throughout his body, causing him to cry out painfully. His left eye was bruised and swollen. Arthur had only his right eye left to look through as he raised his head, doing his best not to fall unconscious. With a spitefully inspired heave, Arthur threw his torso forward and he struggled his body into a kneeling position, his right hand resting on his knee, his left arm hanging limp. With that done, Arthur then attempted to raise himself and stand. Unfortunately, his body protested like a screaming child, and a surge of bludgeoning agony fired through his being with every twitch of his muscles. New to rest, came the snarky voice of the werewolf who put him in his state, their sarcasm filling Arthur's mind with rage, causing him to growl a warning as he continued to try and stand. A swath of sweat dripped down his face, falling upon the dusty ground beneath him. Arthur was wearing a pair of thick, deep brown trousers, barefoot with no shirt. The bruises covering his visible body were extremely apparent. Black and purple painted Arthur's body like tattoos from his injuries. Were it not for the fact that only vampires can leave scars on werewolf flesh, Arthur figured he'd be riddled with permanent marks. Many a night in the recent months was Arthur's skin torn apart, his warm blood raining down upon him. We're losing daylight, the werewolf taunted again chuckling as he feigned a mocking yawn. Arthur couldn't help but roar hatefully at his opponent, his voice below bestial, like a snarling wild animal, riddled with ferocity. Tensing his arms despite the pain, Arthur slowly rose from kneeling until he was upright, his knees slightly bent with the left side of his body slouched, his good eye looking right ahead. So the princess finally awakens, his opponent laughed. Arthur's arms raised, and then his fists clenched. Arthur's legs ran him forward as he went to knock out the werewolf, who continued to antagonize him. Unfortunately, Arthur's final surge of courage and rage was effortlessly dismantled as his opponent flicked him back onto the ground. The fight was over, but Arthur didn't feel ashamed of his defeat. 
He lasted longer than usual this time. It was at least evidence he was improving. As he lay there on the ground, the pounding noise in his head, reminiscent of his own heartbeat, his opponent stood over Arthur, chuckling. Maybe we can find a different job for you in our little world. Maybe as a desk clerk or something. Arthur sighed. If his eyes weren't bruised and swollen, they would have rolled. For only his good eye opened and stared up at the werewolf. Arthur tried to speak, but he only coughed, the air spluttering from his lungs encased in pain. The werewolf chuckled again. I'll get you an application form after a trip to the medical wing. He then held out a hand, and Arthur took it, wincing as he rose to his feet. The werewolf helped hold him up steadily as they walked out of the ring slowly and down the carved stone corridor, their path easily illuminated by the torches that hung from the walls. Despite his pain, Arthur smiled as they walked onward, glad to be fighting against his friend, even if he was on the losing side. Arthur felt he'd gone to the medical wing so many times now, that he was thinking of moving his bed in there. However, the pain was something he'd gotten used to now. It didn't help the pain lessen, but Arthur learned to deal with it better after each fight. The werewolf holding him caught sight of Arthur's smile and grunted. Maybe next time I'll dislocate your jaw. Try smiling after that, he playfully threatened. The pair then shared a small laugh as they walked onward. Another day had gone in his training, and Arthur was looking forward to many more as he became a stronger werewolf. Chapter 1 Driving through the snow was uncomfortably quiet since they were attacked by the mysterious lady vampire assassin who had torn her way through Arthur and Kratos like they were wet paper against freshly sharpened knives. Kratos was still silent as a grave during their ride. After Arthur and Kratos met their werewolf contacts, which Kratos had arranged at their previous stronghold, Arthur's mentor was brief and to the point. Arthur saw Kratos mention that they were attacked by a hunter. Wolf contacts that met with them, who Arthur saw were tall and blonde, had nearly jumped out of their skin at the mention of the legendary opponent. Kratos gave a detailed explanation while Arthur was still paralyzed with the poison the Lady Hunter had used on him during their fight. Before they met with these contact, Arthur remembered Kratos briefly stating that the Hunters were the most elite killers in the entire vampire world. Therefore, the faces of the werewolves went a shade paler at the mention of their name. After Kratos had finished, the contact shared a look as though Kratos had just explained how he was decapitated and still lived. Thereon, they followed every order Kratos gave without question, remaining unflinchingly silent. Kratos explained to the blonde werewolves about the poison that affected Arthur, and how it was only a short, paralyzing poison. Arthur remained motionless as they drove on, like he was a toy doll being carried around Kratos didn't leave his side for a second, 
their encounter with the hunter had quickly turned him away from shock. Now he carried a paranoid sense of overprotection that ruled his teacher's mind. If a single fly drifted too close to Arthur, Kratos would have instantly honed in on the creature. Arthur appreciated his mentor's concern, but the expression of crippled terror on his face put a pit in Arthur's stomach as they moved. The whole time he had known Kratos, Arthur had never once seen this level of fear in his teacher's face. Not even when they had been on a plane about to explode was Kratos this deeply petrified. The only time he could recollect seeing him close to this was after he passed his first meeting with his inner beast. Arthur had described his experience, and when Kratos responded, he looked haunted by his own words. After Kratos had picked up Arthur from the snow and drove the pair of them forwards, it didn't take long for the pair to arrive at their transport. A large, white, military-like vehicle was there to take them the rest of their journey. The werewolf that dropped it off said he would head back to the stronghold Arthur and Kratos had left behind to maintain radio contact for them. Kratos then carried Arthur into the back of the van and sat next to him as it then drove the rest of the snowy wasteland. As the van that carried the two drove on, Kratos said to Arthur that they were heading to the nearest access point of the werewolf kingdom. Arthur noticed that Kratos was keeping himself talking, like he was trying to distract his mind, then inform Arthur of any useful information. Kratos said that there are thousands of entrances carefully hidden all over Europe. However, after running out of things to say, Kratos' face slowly turned towards Arthur. His features were awash with concern for his pupil. His eyes, from Arthur's slump point of view, looked weird, as though he was having a million conversations with himself inside his mind. As the pair were driven onward, with only the odd bump from the snow bothering them, Arthur wondered if Kratos' inner wolf spoke to him as well. Since his first encounter with his inner wolf inside his mind, the foreboding beast had communicated with Arthur mentally. The monster even took control over his bodies in times Arthur was in peril. Arthur remembered Kratos said sometimes veteran werewolves had their inner beasts take over as he did on the black van in the city when he went to save Kratos after his teacher was kidnapped. Since then, Arthur's inner beast had spoken to him like a central passenger within his own body. However, Arthur knew that the beast had made it blatantly clear the first time they met that it wanted control of Arthur's body for itself. Arthur made a mental note for when the paralysis wore off. He would ask Kratos about his thoughts. Though he knew not to ask directly, Arthur didn't want to set off any more alarm bells with his mentor if it turned out this was another abnormality of his werewolf development, especially after his promise to Siren Glacier, the top scientist of the werewolf race, that he wouldn't say anything of her discoveries about him to anyone. Arthur didn't like deceiving his mentor, but he wouldn't break a promise, especially not to Siren. She was friendly to Arthur and gave him no reason to distrust her, However, there was a fearsome menace to her 
But Arthur refused to test. Arthur gasped. Whatever reason her eyes were assorted colors from each other, it was not for peaceful reasons. Though Arthur was still only a kid, not much older than twelve, he knew the werewolf blood in his body would age quickly, turning him into an adult in only a few years from where he was now. Kratos to Arthur was not just the man who had turned him into a werewolf and guided him since he left his home. Arthur knew Kratos was also his only friend in the world at the moment, and he wasn't going to throw that away without a fight. Arthur knew he would keep his mouth shut, especially while presently unable to move or speak. Arthur then pondered what other werewolves he would meet in his Crimson class training. He knew that the Crimson class was the kind of werewolf Kratos had often described Arthur as being with his teacher being Shadow Class. All of these terms still hadn't been explained to Arthur properly yet, but Arthur knew that getting information out of his teacher was like prying molars from a rabid wolverine. Arthur speculated if the other recruits would be around his age or if it varied. Arthur remembered when he first joined up with Kratos and left his hometown and his teacher had said the werewolves gained recruits all the time. So, Arthur figured he could be training with full adults for all he knew if they were recruited at any time. However, Arthur doubted the werewolves recruited people who were too old, especially after Kratos explained how werewolves age more quickly than humans. How, for every year that passes for a human, is two years for a werewolf. The only other time Arthur had come across other werewolves was at a werewolf safe house, which was just a bar. It was there Arthur met Delphur Septus, a close friend of his mentor, and the man he had partnered with to rescue Kratos when he was captured after the bar had been attacked by vampires. Arthur didn't have any idea what to expect at the Wolf Kingdom, but he knew he would be pushed to his very limits. It was there he would begin his proper training, transforming his being from a cub into a wall. A few hours went by before motion began to return to Arthur's body. He slowly began to bend his arms and legs, wincing as they were strained and achy from hours of stillness. Kratos' attention flickered to his student's direction constantly as Arthur moved his limbs. The last of the hunter's poison was working its way out of his system. Arthur cast a sluggish eye over his teacher. His mentor was sitting so still that Arthur felt if Kratos was painted gray, he could pass for a statue. Arthur gained further mobility and moved to stand up in the van so he could stretch out his bodily fatigue. Luckily for him, the van was driving steadily with only the odd bump and shudder, so Arthur didn't get knocked off balance. His limbs were protesting against the movement. It wasn't only the poison he was working out of his system, but his body was still also recovering from the fight with the hunter. She had taken much out of him. Even in his wolf-like state, Arthur had pushed himself past his limits to survive. 
Arthur knew all werewolves possessed an effective healing factor, but fighting the hunter had put a powerful perspective on Arthur. He had seen weak, vain, and rich vampires of humans with guns do most of the fighting. Even the three vampires Arthur helped Kratos against in the warehouse were weak, feeble beings. Arthur had assumed that since he joined with Kratos, the rivals of the night posed little threat to the werewolf race directly, and only the humans they used as cattle for blood would be a danger for them. However, Arthur knew now how ignorant he was. After facing the hunter, Arthur knew there were some vampires who could fight. That hunter could have easily killed Kratos and Arthur if she had wished when they were face down in the snow. For whatever reason, she didn't. And Arthur didn't plan to rely on blind luck to save his life again. On that thought, Arthur heatedly tensed his arms, then his legs. He was quickly checking which muscles were damaged. Some twinged and reacted sharply, but it seemed he wasn't too badly hurt. Odds were, if Arthur needed to be, he would be fighting fit in a few hours. Arthur then continued stretching and swinging his arms around, loosening himself up. Being paralyzed for that long made him feel stiff as a board. Feeling sufficiently flexible now, Arthur then sat back down and looked around the van. He wondered where the werewolves managed to acquire a van like this in such a place, and how they kept it working. He mentioned it to Kratos, trying to get his warring friend to think about something else before he fretted himself bald. His mentor reacted with firm acknowledgement, raising his right eyebrow and looking in Arthur's direction. Kratos was perplexed about how Arthur wasn't puzzling as much as he was. Rolling his eyes, and assuming his protege simply didn't understand the gravity of the situation, Kratos answered, We have certain technological advancements over humanity, all of which are creations Siren manufactured for us over the years. This truck, as well as other machinery, has been modified in a way so they can function in even the worst of the elements. Arthur hummed with intrigue, though he knew next to nothing about machines or technology. So he just nodded along and didn't ask any further questions. This was mainly because Arthur felt he probably wouldn't understand the answers if they were given. Another thought then suddenly sparked in Arthur's mind. He asked, What other things do the werewolves have humanity doesn't know about. He caused Kratos to stroke his chin for a few seconds before he answered. Arthur hit a smirk as he saw he had been successful in distracting his teacher. Hard to say precisely. Siren probably has dozens of world-changing inventions or discoveries she hasn't declared to us. Usually, we come to her with what we need, and she'll tell us if it can be done or not. She has developed advanced technology above that of even the human military. Radar, computer software, anything like that, which can keep us hidden and protected from vampire capture, Kratos explained. Arthur thought about that. 
He then made a mental note to ask Siren if she would show him some sort of future device she had made when he next got the chance. Kratos saw Arthur lost in thought and waved his hand dismissively. But don't bother yourselves with such things. Crimsons won't be working with such complexities anyway. That's more shadow-class territory, Kratos snorted before crossing his arms. Arthur frowned at his teacher's condescension and pursed his lips potently. Whatever this crimson and shadow-class thing that Kratos was talking about, Arthur got the distinct feeling that his teacher had an incredibly low opinion of the crimson class. A few more silent hours went by before the truck came to a gradual halt. After this short round of questions had concluded, Kratos had returned to his still motionless phase of contemplation. Arthur, however, after being forced to be still for ages, was irresistibly restless. Arthur walked around the small, black space of the van in circles endlessly, unable to keep still despite being constantly off balance as the truck bumped and shook during the ride. Arthur tapped on the sides of the truck when he walked back and forth, irritating the hell out of Kratos, which Arthur quickly noticed. After a few minutes of his tapping, Kratos developed a small twitch in his eye with every tap. Arthur, seeing this, only did it for around 20 more minutes after that before stopping. As the van stopped, Kratos stood up mechanically without pause, as though he had been spring-ejected from his seat. It crept Arthur out with how robotic his mentor moved. Kratos faced Arthur firmly, failing to hide his irritation for his student, who had just spent the recent passage of time infuriating him endlessly. Taking a long, deep breath, Kratos forced a smile. Here we are, home sweet home, he declared. Arthur narrowed his eyes skeptically at Kratos and replied, What exactly do you mean by home? I thought I was just training here, Arthur asked skeptically. Kratos rolled his eyes. You are, but your training won't be done by the end of the week. This place will be your home for a long time until you're ready, Kratos answered, exhaustively. Arthur rubbed the back of his head uneasily, not sure what exactly his teacher was saying. Arthur figured, as usual, that Kratos was intentionally leaving out crucial details. So I won't come above ground for maybe months on end. I'll go nuts living like a mole for so long. Arthur grunted nervously. Kratos laughed lightly as he walked towards the doors of the van. Arthur knew how much Kratos understood him after all this time. Arthur saw Kratos look at him with a strange smile on his face, like he was relishing Arthur's reaction to coming home. Kratos smiled warmly and put on a supportive and casual tone to put Arthur at ease. You'll be fine. You won't exactly be bored, especially with the Eclipse Festival coming up. After you witness that, you'll certainly find yourself warming to our race's sanctuary. Arthur caught that last word and thought for a second. Will we be safe here? Safe from the vampires and the... Arthur didn't finish. 
not wanting to remind Kratos of the hunter after his mood had just lifted. Kratos sighed. The hunters. Yes, we will be safe from them. On the entire planet, apart from maybe Siren's home. It's the safest possible place you can be from the vampires. That quelled Arthur's nerves slightly as he stood next to his teacher and waited for the doors to be opened. The two werewolves who drove them opened the back doors of the van, releasing Arthur and Kratos out into the open air. The air around them was still cold and biting, but Arthur was happy to see it was no longer the snow-ridden wasteland they had departed from. The ground was rough and solid like dried wood, but no snow was visible around them. No vegetation or even dead trees were within eyesight. All the land appeared as cold, round, and barren land to Arthur's eyes. He looked around studiously. The wind that blew against him was cutting deep into his bones, as though he was still in the heart of the snowstorm. The gust blew straight through his flesh, like a night straight through into jelly, chilling him from the inside out. Arthur shivered instantly as he walked around for a few seconds, feeling slightly self-conscious, as neither Kratos nor the other two werewolves seemed even bothered by the temperature. Arthur stretched his legs and swung his arms around in circles. Now he had the free space to do so. Kratos followed out after Arthur, not even sniffing at the frigid air, and he instantly began trading words with the other werewolves. The sun was shining down on all of them, but the heat wasn't even reaching the top of Arthur's hair. It brought only light for him to see, and Arthur couldn't even feel a smidgen of heat to comfort his body. Arthur felt that it may as well have been a useless light bulb in the sky. He began rubbing his arms and looking out into the land. He squinted his eyes attempting to see the faintest glimpse of the snow land they came from, but nothing was around in the far distance. He looked in every direction, seeking any signs of a city or town they would be close to, but there was still nothing. If the ground had been red and not brown, Arthur could have been easily convinced that they were all standing on the surface of Mars. Where the hell are we? Arthur thought to himself. He couldn't put a place in his head where they were standing in. He knew that the Wolf Kingdom was in Europe. They'd come from a snowy wasteland previously, and Arthur seemed to recall from his studies in geography back in school that Eastern Europe was its coldest part. The plane crashed in that snowland, but it was hardly our destination. Where in Europe could this place be? Russia? That's a cold place, isn't it? Perhaps there. Or maybe... Arthur puzzled on. Arthur, come this way, called Kratos, interrupting Arthur's train of thought. Arthur turned around as the group was beginning to walk through the land, away from the van. Arthur was about to question. They were abandoning their transport, but he stopped himself. He remembered he had to do this when he first visited Siren. Arthur didn't understand the reason, 
this time, and figured it must be for some sort of security reason. As they walked on, silence once again ruled the air between the four of them, save for a mild whistling of wind sailing past. Kratos had previously filled in the two other werewolves with any information about the plane or the hunter's attack, so there was nothing left to discuss. All three of them in front of Arthur just walked onwards through the land, their faces somber. Arthur, with nothing else to occupy his attention, took a moment to examine his new traveling companions. Even with Kratos moving him around, he didn't have a chance to see them that well in the van. The two werewolves both had blonde hair, with strong-looking broad builds. They both wore black, military-like clothing, their faces littered with scars all around their head and necks. Seeing their permanent wounds made Arthur remember something Kratos had told him when he had asked about their healing factor after first becoming a werewolf. He had noticed Kratos had many scars on his face. Despite the fact, it seemed that werewolves healed from open wounds easily. Kratos had told Arthur that werewolves can heal from almost any wound. But a scar given by a vampire from their claws or teeth stays with a werewolf for life. Recalling that, the number of scars they had along their faces made Arthur feel a bit safer. With so many, he assumed that they must be experienced and battle-worn soldiers. That thought sparked Arthur's curiosity as he then looked to his teacher, Kratos. Arthur knew the man had seen many fights and bared his share of scars too. Kratos had never shared the stories behind any of them before in their travels and training. Arthur made another mental note to try and find out what vampires gave Kratos his scars. Arthur then figured that given his teacher's secretive nature, he may just have to pry the information out of Delphur later on. He would gladly share the tales if it meant embarrassing his friend. After it seemed like they had been walking for ages, Arthur sighed loudly. How much further? Arthur asked in exhaustion. He was becoming mentally frustrated with all the travel. Arthur figured he was still restless and his internal energy was growing bored of him, only walking. Arthur saw Kratos, looked back behind him, and smirked at his irritated student, clearly relishing Arthur's annoyance after his student had bothered him so much in the van. Why are the young never patient? Kratos sighed, rolling his eyes. The other two werewolves chuckled. Arthur gritted with frustration. Well, he asked again, almost snapping. Kratos, however, ignored Arthur's tone and simply shrugged. We'll be there when we get there, simple as that. Why do you care when, he asked blandly, knowing his casual tone would only fan the flames of Arthur's agitation. Arthur began to breathe heavily, struggling to keep his temper towards his teacher under control. Because why leave the van and travel on foot if it's still far away, Arthur snapped, as lightly as he could. 
Kratos looked back at Arthur oddly for a moment, noticing his student's frustration and seemingly contemplating a different approach. It is less noisy, Arthur. We're never sure what technology the vampires are using to track us, so we always take care not to give them an advantage by loudly traveling right up to our front door. Arthur thought on that for a few seconds, calming down. But didn't you say the vampires know where the werewolves' main base is, anyway? Arthur replied, quizzically. Kratos smiled, looking glad that at least Arthur is retaining the information he tells him. Yes, but we don't want them heading us off as we try and get in. Only safe on the inside of our home, Arthur. Kratos answered smugly, obviously having a bit of fun at Arthur's expense for his ignorance. Kratos noticed Arthur often had a habit of questioning things without knowing enough beforehand. Arthur thought for a few seconds and pondered the concept. Have the vampires never tried that before? Arthur casually mused. The three ahead of Arthur then shared a look for a moment before Kratos answered solemnly. Yes, they did. The vampire forces would deploy sentries with snipers, camped to take out those using the entrances. They did that for quite some time. Arthur only frowned. Every answer only raised another question. And why did they stop? He countered followed by Kratos raising his hand as he continued walking, clenching his fist sharply. Because we stopped them. First, we built new entrances for werewolves to use without fear of cowardly assassination. Secondly, we then sent off shadows to take out the snipers, leaving no one alive. After they tried it at other entrances, with only the same result each and every time. They scrapped their entire scheme. However, Kratos' clenched fist loosened slightly, letting his index finger stick straight up. Since then, we always take extra care when traveling to our home sense, because any carelessness could lead to other werewolves losing their lives, something I'm sure you wouldn't want to be responsible for. Right, Arthur? Kratos challenged gently. He wasn't trying to put Arthur in his place, but as always, Arthur could tell he was trying to broaden his student's sense of perspective for his actions. Arthur nodded at Kratos and thought hard. He remembered when he was on the plane. One of the pilots had said that he and Kratos had a satellite tracking them. That must be how the hunter found us, he thought to himself. If they were still being tracked by such technology, Arthur secretly hoped he wouldn't be responsible for further deaths of those innocent at the hands of those who were trying to kill him. Arthur mentioned his fears to Kratos, but only sighed morosely back to him. It's possible. It's a fear we can never be rid of, there's no other choice. The world, for now, is too volatile for us to roam freely. 
For now, Arthur, we are only safe in the werewolf's home. If anything is waiting for us, we'll be prepared. Especially with our backup here. The two blonde werewolves chuckled at Kratos' declaration as they kept walking. Arthur thought about what Kratos said, and he agreed. From the werewolf bar, to the plane, and finally in the snowy wastes. The vampire had tracked down Arthur at nearly every turn, and there wasn't any place they could find him. Except one option popped into Arthur's head. Can't we stay with Siren? Arthur asked. The smiles of the blonde guys disappeared as they shared a scared gaze. All three men then stopped walking at the same time. Kratos slowly looked behind his shoulder at Arthur, with a look as if Arthur had just asked him to swallow a live crab on fire. Siren, he began, before trailing off, trying to find the right words. She doesn't do well with long-term house guests, Kratos feebly muttered before quickly refacing the front. Arthur frowned. He remembered Siren Glacier was an eccentric and almost ghoulish woman. Her laboratory was filled with severed and dissected limbs that would make a serial killer blush. But she was also perfectly civil, polite, friendly, and immensely jovial. You mean she doesn't like having people stay with her? Arthur asked back trying to gain understanding. Kratos rubbed the back of his head uncomfortably. Arthur could tell that the last thing Kratos would ever want were to be for Siren to hear he stated something about her that was not accurate. Given how viciously she had reacted to Kratos' wild sass to her last time, it looked as though Kratos knew firmly how well she punished those who spread rumors about her. No. It's not that, Kratos replied carefully, shivering at the mere thought of upsetting Siren. It's just, she isn't exactly a person you can fall asleep around. I guess she'll probably try and dissect you in her sleep, he finished with a low mutter. Arthur's eyebrows nearly hit the sky. What? She did that? He screeched. Kratos tilted his head from side to side before responding. Not exactly. I mean, the guy woke up before a scalpel even touched him. Kratos then chewed his cheek as he let that hang in the air. One of the blonde werewolves turned his head to face the other. What did ever happen to James after that? He asked. The man thought for a moment. He asked to be reployed to Asia, I think. I remember he tried to stop sleeping for a month. Arthur looked at all three of them, bewildered at how casually they were discussing that. But that's insane, he exclaimed. Kratos looked back again, with one eyebrow raised. Are you going to tell Siren that yourself? He directed firmly, instantly causing Arthur's breath to catch in his throat. Arthur remembered what Siren said. When Kratos challenged her about her macabre, decorated laboratory, she had slowly cut his cheek with her nail, and then she instantly healed it with a single kiss, all oh, while smiling sweetly 
Arthur knew Siren could be a dark, deadly shade of menacing. Arthur looked down, and Kratos chuckled. It's not really her fault, Kratos began. Siren doesn't sleep. At least, I don't think she does. And she gets restless during the night. She's always experimenting. And when she sees a living vessel, she wants to try out her latest ideas. Kratos finished lightly. Arthur sighed, feeling defeated in his inquisition. Point taken. We'll stay at the Wolf Kingdom, Arthur mumbled, causing Kratos to laugh under his breath. Yes, because that was completely open for debate after all, Kratos muttered as they all continued walking on. The blonde from the right in front of him looked back at Arthur. Oh, you're from the UK, he noted. Arthur frowned, not sure how the man assumed that, wondering suddenly if he carried a distinct accent, perhaps. Yes, why? Arthur asked back. The blonde werewolf chuckled. Only werewolves from there, called the Wolf Kingdom, he replied cheerfully. Arthur nodded. His curiosity once again peaked. What do you call it? Arthur replied. The blonde werewolf laughed again. Most werewolves drop the whole specific name thing after their training. But I would call it United Wolfland. Arthur nodded and tried to figure out where he was just from based on that. Once again, his lack of knowledge in geography was playing against him. Before Arthur could muster a guess, something struck in his brain. Kratos, what do you call the Wolf Kingdom? His teacher looked back at him with a smirk and winked. That's for me to know, he sneakily chided, before he turned his head back. Arthur rolled his eyes. Another question thrown back in my face by Kratos' mane, Arthur growled in his head. Arthur then wondered how many different names the Wolf Kingdom would have for other werewolves around the world. He wouldn't be surprised if they had people from every country in the world part of their race. His mind then drifted back to the blonde werewolf he had just spoken to. When he spoke, Arthur didn't detect a weird accent or anything distinct in his tone. His voice sounded like normal English to Arthur's ears so it made it harder to pin a different country on the man. Arthur then recalled that Delfer also spoke similarly with no problems. It was strange to him. Twenty minutes later, the three of them ahead of Arthur suddenly came to an abrupt stop. All three of them looked around and waited for a few seconds. They were staring intensely with their fists clenched. Arthur looked around nervously. He didn't see anything for miles. The blonde werewolf at Arthur's left sniffed inward loudly. He turned to Kratos sharply. You smell it too? The blonde werewolf asked, his tone no longer friendly. His composure had completely changed from chummy to murderous within a second. Kratos nodded slowly without moving a single muscle below the neck. Yes, Kratos replied darkly, his eyes sharp and focused. 
Hearing his teacher's tone turned Arthur's stomach to ice. He began looking around them rapidly, but he still saw nothing. Arthur sniffed the air again, but still sensed nothing. Arthur had a strange intuition. His senses put him in danger, which only made his panic sense overload even worse that he couldn't see it. Kratos, what's going on? Arthur snapped frantically, struggling to contain the fear in his voice. Kratos, with his arm by his side, gently moved his fingers a few times. Arthur, come close to me. Do as I say, no matter what. Kratos replied quietly. Arthur didn't question or argue. Without missing a beat, Arthur slowly stepped forward until he was directly behind Kratos, who was breathing rapidly. Arthur's mentor moved his arms over and over, clenching his fists so he would be ready for anything. Arthur gazed out into the space once again, focusing intensely for the slightest sign of something shouldn't be there. A second passed before Arthur's eye glimpsed a strange anomaly. He didn't directly see anything, but he could also see something wrong in the space around him. Directly in front of his eyes, the air in front of him seemed off. He saw everything properly ahead of him, the earth, and the distance that ran for miles on. But there was something wrong. Another second went by as Arthur suddenly realized. He had heard a few gusts of wind blow by the four of them, but he only heard the wind as it passed by his ears. Not a single draft blew directly into his face, despite the fact the wind had been blowing in that direction. Even though he could see everything in front of him, the wind was being blocked. Ah, oh, Kratos, Arthur called uncertainly a hesitant croak in his voice. Kratos simply waved his hand at Arthur without replying, shushing him so he could focus. Arthur was going to try again when finally he caught it. If Arthur blinked, he would have missed it, but the world in front of him seemed to blur. There was an odd shimmer that hung a meter in front of him, like the world a few feet off the ground had distorted randomly. Arthur's instincts then took over. He clenched his left hand into a fist, then sharply without saying a word. Arthur threw his body completely to the side, with the strength of his heels, shooting his fist out into the shimmer, the full power of his whole body. Arthur was worried for a split second that his hand would just strike the air and he would look like an idiot. However, Arthur's knuckles were immediately met with a hard, flat, unrelenting surface of something, followed by the grunt of pain from a person who he very much stood in front of, but was invisible. And this, my darling, ends our story time for today. Please check out Dylan Eldoft if you would like to read more. As always, I hope that you have very sweet and creepy dreams. <laughs>